Please join me in the New Testament scripture reading this morning. If you'd like to follow along, you can find that on page 1890 in your pew Bible. We're going to be reading 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Thank you. 
I'm so excited to be here today. <laughs> so excited. Um, I bring you greetings from San Diego Presbytery. But I'm so grateful to be here with you all today. This is my first time uh, visiting Lakeside Presbyterian Church. I am an, somewhat of an unusual moderator in that I am a member at large, so I'm not attached to a local body, and I have the joy of visiting our churches, and so I'm so grateful to be asked to be here. I'm sad that Pastor Randy isn't feeling well, but I'm glad that you all, uh, God called me to be here today, so thank you. Thank you for having me and my family. My husband Jeff is here, and our friend Desmond is here, and my six-and-a-half-year-old son is here. Would you all pray with me, please? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. I know the scripture is up there on the, on the screen, just the, the calling out of it. I'm going to get ready to read the Bible. And I know a lot of people that would like to look it up in their pew Bible or the Bible they brought from home or they look on the screen. But I'm going to ask you today, can you ju- just listen? Just listen. Put your Bibles away and just listen. Um, because the Bible, you might know, it's a story. It's the story of us. It's the story of God and God's rescue plan. So I'm just going to retell a little piece of that story, of this big story, and together we're going to see what it might be saying to us today. And so as you know, it's coming. the story of God is coming to us from Genesis 9, and we're going to pick up Genesis 9, verse 8, with God speaking to Noah. But I need to set this up a little bit. In the last few chapters, the Lord has had it up to here, <laughs> up to here with human beings. It sounds like my, this mic isn't working anymore, so I'll stay close. Uh, can you still hear? You can't still hear me. It says low battery, so I'll take it off. <laughs> Okay, so I'll stay here, but just I'll be my exuberant, energetic self up here. Okay, you got me? Okay. Um, the Lord's had it up to here with human beings. And, and in Genesis 6, he even says that he regretted making us. Ouch. That's, a, that's kind of a bummer. So then he finds the 1%, maybe even less. We heard from Peter, that, or the first Peter, that maybe it's like eight people. Um, that group of humanity that's just worth it in God's eyes and, and puts them on a big boat and decides to cover the earth with water and only save Noah and his family and other living things, right? And they get on this ark, and then it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. A lot of us know this story as the flood. And then, but this part you may not remember, five Months later, the water recedes. Five months later, and the boat was sitting on dry land, and there's still lots of water around it, and then they start that process of sending out the dove in the search of dry land. That took another few months. All told, they've been on this ark for almost a year. 
and they're wondering what's next. And yes, dry land was found, and, and God says, you know, come out of the ark, and starts to set up what he calls here in Genesis 9, the new covenant, that new contract with Noah and all the living things on the earth. And so God kind of gives them um, a remix of the speech that he gives to Adam and Eve, that whole be fruitful, multiply, but this time it's a little bit different, and it's as though God is saying, and I'm sure, Ron, you're familiar with, okay, everybody, once more from the top, right? <laughs> We're doing this over again, but they're, they're going to get something a little different. So now, listen to the word of the Lord. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood, never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the cloud, my bow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what's different about this covenant? Well, this covenant has a sign, and what is it? A rainbow. You're listening. Great. <laughs> a rainbow. Okay, let's talk about rainbows. Um, a rainbow in our day and age can have a lot of meanings, and we don't see one naturally occurring uh, all that often here in drought country, do we? <laughs> um, but we do get one from time to time. Maybe we saw some this past week with all the rain. Um, the rainbow definitely has a unique and a special nature to it. And, and again, that meaning can vary. Sometimes the time I'm seeing a rainbow is when I'm on my MacBook and it's thinking. And so this rainbow is just spinning and spinning and spinning. Um, or sometimes it's associated with a person who, you know, is so positive that they just consider the world, you know, all sunshine and rainbows. Um, or even Kermit the Frog, right, acknowledged that rain, they're important, they're visions, but they're only illusions, right? Uh, 
but a rainbow. It's an atmospheric phenomenon. It's not just clip art or a fabric. It's, it's amazing. Did you know that no two people see the same rainbow? You might look out the same window or off your porch, but many people see the same rainbow, or see a, a rainbow at the same time, but the rainbow an individual sees is formed by the reflection of specific raindrops that fall on the, in front of the observer's eyes. And so a person next to you will see a rainbow formed from different droplets that you might see. But I know that when you see one, I think it's almost like no matter how old you are, when you see a rainbow, it's truly amazing. And it's a thing of beauty and of grace. They're unexpected. Now, for Christians, for people of this covenant that we're talking about today, a rainbow, it should remind us of this passage from Genesis. And it can have many meanings, but here in Genesis 9, the rainbow's meaning is this. A second chance. A second chance. And God is telling the people of the earth, you're getting a second chance. Let's try this one again. Take it from the top. And amazingly enough, this passage and the rainbow will tell us pretty much all that we need to know about the gospel. Already in Genesis 9, we're learning about the good news because it's a symbol of grace offered to us in Jesus Christ. So, so let's look at how, for some of you note-takers, we're going to talk about the backdrop of grace, the promise of God's grace, and the beauty of God's grace. So we're going to talk about grace today. This during this week where we're giving thanks and offering grace. In fact, uh, my son and I speak French. And in French, the name of Thanksgiving is the action de grâce. Action de grâce. It's the act of giving thanks, of grace. Okay, the rainbow. Well, first of all, rainbows appear only on cloudy days. Cloudy days, after the storm has come, after the rain, right about the time that the sun is going to appear. There's always a nasty weather storm nearby, and they usually take us by surprise. We're driving home from work, we're walking the dog, or we're looking out uh, our, the window. We're not, and we're not, I'm not talking about those rainbows you make with the hose, okay? <laughs> not hose ones. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about the rainbow that appears after some darkness. That appears after some cloudy weather, after the gloominess. And it's hard to see, and we have to wait for it to appear. And so, as the backdrop of grace, like the rainbow, grace in our lives, sometimes it's difficult. Uh, it's hard to see when we're going through an easy time. We're not as likely to see the grace offered to us in sunshine, but we, we will never, we never find that grace until we see our insufficiency, 
until we see our, the need for it, until we see how flawed we really, really are. We won't see grace until we see our own darkness. So this is the scenery or the backdrop of God's grace for God's grace to be able to appear in our lives. And so for Noah and his family, I mean, they've been through some stormy days. Yes, on the, on the ark, but even before the ark. And they've had some stormy nights, but it's about to clear. It's about to clear. Folks, I, I know, I, looking around this room, I know. We've all had stormy days. We've had stormy nights as individuals, as families, as nations, as a world, and even as a church. But in it and through it, we see our brokenness and we see our great need. And, but we need some reassurance that these clouds are going to clear. We need something to tell us it's going to be all right. Something that shows us that we get another chance, that it doesn't end here. That it's a new day, that you don't have to stay in this storm. It's going to pass. We don't have to stay in our darkness. We don't have to stay in our sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I need second chances. I need third chances, fourth chances. I need a lot of chances pretty much every day, <laughs> every second. And, and it's mostly because it's mostly because I just forget. I forget, or maybe it's that I don't actually believe that that God's promise of grace, that it's really for me. I mean, I can extend it to you real easily. But sometimes for myself, it's a little bit harder. I forget that when I'm in, when I'm in the storm, that there might be a way out of it, or at least through it. Especially when I feel like a hot mess. When no one and no person, and certainly no God, should be offering me grace and yet the only way to get to grace is through the darkness. It's through the cloudiness of sin, of brokenness, of messiness. That's the backdrop of grace. And that's why we need these reminders. That's why we need signs. That's why we need assurances of the promise. And so what kind of assurance does Noah get in here? Well, let's look at this promise of God's grace. God establishes his covenant. God makes this promise with Noah. And I, I love what God does here in these ten verses. Like every good speaker, hint, hint, <laughs> God tells them what he's going to tell them, tells them, and then tells them what he told them. <laughs> So let's look at that. So you see, God tells Noah three times that he's going to establish a covenant and that there's going to be a sign and that he'll remember the sign. And on top of that, you might have heard it. God repeats all these variations of who the covenant is between. You might have heard it. It's like, between me and you and every living creature that was with you. 
Okay, good, we got that. Between me and the earth. Uh, between me and every living creature up there. I mean, it's all these variations in the Hebrew language. And it's actually, um, it's a convention that's used in, in narrative. It's to show, well, guess what it shows? It shows a failure to comprehend. <laughs> it shows a resistance to the speaker's word words. Of course, on the hearer's part, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to tell you this these 10 different ways because you're struggling. You're struggling to get it. In other words, God is repeating himself so that we get it. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Ever experienced that? I have. I have a six and a half year old. <laughs> it's time to get dressed. It's time to get dressed. Did you have your shoes on? Do you have your shoes on? How many, you're right, you're coming up with it. How many different ways to encourage someone to get ready? Um, so God is repeating himself for us so that we get it because we forget about God's promises all the time. Like I said, I know I forget daily, weekly, from moment to moment. And so we need to hear these promises over and over, mostly because, mostly because we have a hard time believing truly in our hearts and our innermost that we are actually included in this promise. Mostly because we can't believe that we deserve this kind of love, this kind of grace. And so God has to remind us over and over and say it a few times until we get it. Oh, and God will get his point across. And sometimes God does that through experiences in our lives, right? You can say, oh, that's my, my aha moment. I got it. <laughs> or maybe it was through another person. Thankfully, so-and-so said this to me. But it's always through God's word. God will always speak to us through the word. So what does God say in all of this? What is this promise? Well, this promise that God's creating, establishing, all the different ways God says it. This contract is a promise to never again destroy the earth. Never again is God going to wipe us all out. Never again will he send a flood or something like a flood. And so the scope, you remember, of this promise is for every living creature, all flesh, everything on the earth, and it's not just humans and not just Christians, because God's grace is a sweeping one. And so the sign of this promise, it's really, it's not a rainbow per se. I want you to hear that. It's not necessarily a rainbow. It's not, God's not saying, when you see the pretty colors of Roy G. Biv, or whatever you learned in school, right? When you see those pretty colors anywhere, think of the promise. No. It's not all, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. The sign means something else. You see, in the Hebrew, the word here for what was translated rainbow or bow, it doesn't mean rainbow. It doesn't mean that refracted light that we were talking about on everyone's individual eyes. It's a hunter's bow. It's a bow that shoots arrows. It's a battle bow. It's a bow for destruction, right? 
And so when God says, I am setting my kesheth, my bow in the clouds, he's saying, I am putting away my bow and my arrow. I'm laying down my weapons of war. I'm laying down my sword and shield, and I'm studying war no more. I'm setting my bow down, and I'm setting it down in the sky, and I will no longer aim my arrows at you. And then God says, maybe you caught it. I tried to read it this way, but he says, when he sees the rainbow, he will remember. He will remember. He will remember not to destroy us. He says, I will see it and remember my everlasting covenant. The, he puts the onus, the responsibility on himself, on God's self. And so, this is the beauty of God's grace. You, you might say, well, okay, Pastor Fairlight, are you telling me that God's no longer a God of judgment? I, th- I thought the Old Testament was like, you know, the God of judgment, and then Jesus, Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows, right, <laughs> comes along and in the New Testament, and, and Jesus is nice God. And, and the God of the Old Testament, he's mean God, right? Maybe some of us were even taught that. I don't know. Of course, we know that's not true, but here we see the Lord from Genesis 9 creating a sign for himself to remember to settle down, to put away the judging instrument. And yet, do you remember Jesus' first words in ministry, reminding us that the kingdom, God's ruling, God's judging, it's already here. Repent, believe. Yes, God is still a God of judgment, but also a God of mercy. And so it's right here in Genesis 9. The bow that was once pointed downward towards us is now pointed to the heavens. And so the arrows that once pointed towards us, they now point towards God. And they will go into someone else. In fact, those arrows will go into God himself. And this is the beauty of the rainbow, friends, where clouds and sun meet, where justice and mercy come together, where the storm of judgment and where the sun, the child of God, unite. Brothers and sisters, God did remember And God chose to turn the arrows upon himself for our sake. This is how the rainbow shows us the beauty of God's grace in this atmospheric phenomenon. How it reveals to us the gospel because we have more cloudy days coming, right? Some of you are in a cloudy day right now. You're in a storm right now. And we know that more is coming, and so does God. But we have hope and we have great cause for rejoicing because we worship a God who chose not to destroy us, but to bear the burden of sin and death for us and to turn the bow upwards and take the arrows for us. And by doing so, God gives us a second chance because he's the God of second 
third, fourth, as many chances as we need. And that goes for people, churches, every, alike. And so, yes, the, main, the rainbow does have many meanings, sure. And you can pick the one you want. But the next time I walk out on my deck, or I'm driving on the freeway and I see a rainbow appear, the meaning that I want to remember is that God remembered. That mercy and justice met. And where did they meet, friends? On the cross. On the cross of Jesus Christ. For me, for you, for all. And that God t- turned those bow, that bow toward himself. And so that means that each day, that each moment, thanks to Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that I have a second chance. (laughs) I have a chance. We have a chance at embracing God's grace for ourselves, but also showing God's grace to the world around us. So maybe the next time you see the rainbow, you'll think of it that way too. Amen.